I'm supposed to say what we know about the movie. Uh, hang tight. You yeah, give us the facts. Gremlin. I put the I put the link in the chat. Give us the facts. Oh, you did the fact already. You put, no, I put the link in there. Oh, sorry, the IMDb sorry, link. Sorry, 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 sorry. You thought I said the facts? You're <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to our 19th episode of Partial Recall. I'm Daniel. I'm one of those. I'm here with my friend Yishai, the other of those. Yishai, why don't you tell people what this podcast is about? This podcast is about movies that we've seen as kids uh, that we only sort of remember. Uh, And so in the first half of the episode, we try to recreate the plot from memory. uh, And then we break, watch the movie, and come back uh, and see uh, what we got right, what we got wrong, and if it held up. Uh, And crucially, uh, as we are now uh, fathers, we are trying to determine which of these movies are worth showing to our kids as we are constructing the canon of great childhood films for them. So what movie are we talking about today? Uh, So today, uh, your choice, uh, you chose to do the movie Gremlins, uh, connecting back to Steel... That's not his name. Steven Spielberg. Uh, That's that's his name in certain circles of the internet, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, uh, Steven Spielbagel, that's what it would be? Stop the Steven. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh no! Uh, so we did oh, <laughs> we did Jurassic Park last time, uh, and this time uh, Steven Spielberg produced uh, Gremlins. Gremlins uh, was released. Uh, sorry, was directed by uh, Joe Dante, written by Chris Columbus. So I wonder. It's worth probably exploring whether uh, he was just a writer before he was a director, because um, I did not know that he wrote movies but didn't direct them. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, it stars Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, Hoyt Axton. <laughs> I don't know why is that like that. Stars is being used yeah. loosely, loosely there. Francis Lee McCain and Polly Holiday. So the only people I've heard of uh, are Phoebe Cates. I know uh, Corey Feldman is also in this movie, but he's not one of the top build. Uh, it was uh, produced by Warner Brothers and Amblin, distributed by Warner Brothers, released June eighth. 1984. Uh, Judge Reinhold's in this movie. Oh, nice. Uh, as is Harry Carey Jr. I'm looking at his picture on IMDb. He is significantly too old to be a junior. <laughs> like at a certain point, you just graduate to senior. Uh, that is total tangent. But uh, the Sixers, uh, the NBA draft was last night. The Sixers, uh, who I follow, did not draft anybody, but they... Um, signed a few undrafted free agents afterwards and they drafted a guy who was uh the fourth i forget his name it was like john thompson the fourth uh not because he's the fourth generation his father is john thompson and then his older brother is john thompson the second his second older brother is john thompson the third and he is john thompson the fourth it's pretty pretty great it's like we found a name that works and we're just gonna do it every time yeah 
so it's, it's like it works weird. for Apple. They get the iPhone, the iPhone two, the iPhone three, the iPhone four. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. His meet my brother iPhone three GS. John Thompson three GS. <laughs> Uh, John Thompson SC, uh, John Thompson, John <laughs> the Thompson John 4 Thompson. Max. What if there's twins? They just call it one the fourth and one 4 Max. It's the big one. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So, uh, okay. Ooh, John run, Thompson tangent. Good job. Yeah, thank you. A runtime of 106 minutes. A budget, Good runtime. Great runtime. And a budget of 10 out of 10 runtime. $11 million and a box office of 212. So, Good Smash. job. Smash hit. This is Smash hit. There is a sequel. The sequel is going to definitely in, infect my brain when I try to remember this movie. Oh, I thought you were like, trying to remember the name of the sequel, like Gremlins 2. Uh, it's <laughs> called like... Avatar. <laughs> Gremlins 2, The Way, Way of, of Water. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so those are some facts about Gremlins. Uh, Daniel, what do you remember about this movie? So... This one is interesting because I I know I have seen this movie. Yeah. And I know I have seen the sequel to this movie. Okay. And I remember loving the little Mogwai. Yeah. The Furbies. I don't remember his name. Uh, the specific one, Gizmo or something, is okay. the main one's name. Yeah. Uh, and so, first off, before we get into what I remember, I'm just trying to remember like when I saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a movie I must have seen too young to remember seeing for the first time. Because okay. I have no memory of seeing it for the first time. Right. Um, Gremlins 2, I vaguely remember seeing on VHS at someone's house. Uh, but I'm not sure. What about you? Do you remember seeing this movie? So, I, I mean, I think to your point about like potentially conflating Gremlins 1 and 2, I, I, I truly don't know if I am because I don't remember the differences between them at all um but in previous episodes i've mentioned that my neighbors directly across the street had a basement full of vhs definitely saw this either in their basement or borrowed it from them that is how i know because like those like early or sorry mid to late 80s movies uh that's where that stuff would have been coming from like before i started like having like interests of my own like seeing movies with friends like when we were younger we would just borrow movies from across the street and like they have like all the 80s stuff so that's where i feel like i saw most of that stuff and so yeah i remember i feel like i remember watching at their house specifically i remember bits and pieces but i don't want to i don't want to get into my recollection of the movie because uh, you chose it so why don't you go first and then i'll, I'll see what I okay do. well here's what i remember at the beginning of the movie it's like it's some kid's birthday. It's this kid's birthday, or it's going to be his birthday, and his dad maybe didn't get him a gift and is like trying to get him something last minute. Mm-hmm. And he goes to this like weird, I shouldn't say weird. He goes to this like uh, Asian inspired store, mm-hmm. and there's like a there's like a I want to say kind of like an Asian stereotype old man okay. that works at the store with like the Fu Manchu kind of mustache. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's what's in the movie, but that's what I remember. And he ends up like selling him this thing that's like a, it's like a pet for his kid. It's a mogwai, and he gives it to him in this box, and he tells him there are three rules. I think there are three rules. I only remember can't one rule: get wet. Oh yeah, can't get wet. They can't eat after midnight. Yep. And there's something else. Maybe there's only two rules. Maybe there's, I only remember two rules. Yeah. So let's just say there's two rules, 
and he brings this thing home, and it kind of looks like a Furby. It it's looks like, like a, a Furby, furry, right? Like the Furbies came after, but, but it's like Furby's a furry modeled, little animal. I, I would like to establish this. Maybe this will be researched for the second half. Because in my mind, they are exactly Furbies, and I have a feeling Furbies were modeled after, if if not modeled after Gremlins, I feel like it's the same thing. Yeah, they might be. They might be. So, so okay. So he brings it home, and then. He doesn't get his one wet because I don't think Gizmo becomes a gremlin. Oh, maybe there's another thing where they breed. So what happens when they get wet or eat food after midnight is they become gremlins. Or maybe it's if they eat after midnight, they become gremlins. But then if they get wet, they breed. Because in any case, a whole bunch of gremlins show up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then... The kid and Gizmo need to, like, stop them. And I remember, this might be in the second one, but there's, like, the kid loves Gizmo. I think he calls him Gizmo. I really hope I'm right about that. And he, like, they watch a bunch of movies together. And I think they watch Rambo. And I remember that Gizmo makes, like, a bow and arrow out of a paperclip and a rubber band. And, like, shoots, like, a flaming arrow at one of the gremlins. And he goes, Rambo! (laughs) When he does it. Okay. Um, and I also think there's a sequence, and this almost definitely is in the sequel, where Gizmo is like climbing through the air vents like John McClane. You might remember in our Phantom Menace episode when you thought that that movie connected to Die Hard 2 on Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. And I said that when I think about Die Hard, I think about Gremlins. That's, That's the why. connection. Is like climbing through the air vents. Well, also we talked about this uh, in Mario, where there was going to be a scene where there were John McClane was right. in the movie climbing through air vents or whatever. Correct. And so I remember there being something air venty, but that might be in two. The Rambo thing might also be in two. Anyway, that's what I remember. <laughs> that's it. I don't think I have anything to add to that. Honestly, I remember I think a scene of like the Gremlins emerging from a bathtub, like a full bathtub. Because like they got okay. they got wet, um, I I remember what the the gremlins are like slimy, right? They like are they do they like drip? They like drip slime. Am I right yeah? So they're that? bigger they're and they've bigger, got longer limbs, sharp teeth, and they're they're like they're kind of lizardy and they're yeah. scaly or whatever. They like and they have huge ears and wide smiles with like sharp and big teeth. smiles and they're 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 bad apples. You yeah. don't want to meet a gremlin down a dark street. So here's a question for you. When we say bad apples, are they like like mischievous? Like Dobby dropping a cake on someone? Or are they like eating people and murdering them? I think it's it's in between those two. Okay. You know, it's more like they're causing property damage and like doing violence. Okay. But not necessarily murder, but like destruction more than Dobby. Because Dobby's like well-meaning. Right. But maybe misguided. Right. Uh, but they definitely kind of look like Dobby, but more scaly, I would say. You're, you're kind of traditional gremlins, the kind of gremlins that eat the wings off of a plane in a Twilight Zone episode. Um, yeah. Okay. So they're, they're doing that. Okay. I, it, like, is there a scene, and this is maybe just thinking of 80s movies, mm-hmm. where, like, teenagers are, like, making out in a car and a gremlin, like, pops up and, like, attacks them? I'm going to say yes. I have no memory of that, but yes, that probably happens in the movie. That totally tracks, right? Yeah. 
So um, how many gremlins? I was thinking, you know, know what I was? This is really embarrassing. I was like, is the first one called Grem- Gremlin and the second one called Gremlins, like Alien and Aliens? Because I'm like, no, there are a lot of gremlins in this. There's movie. a lot of gremlins in this movie. Yeah, and I think I think the thing with gremlins is. They're mischievous, but they're also kind of funny to the audience, right? So they're not scary necessarily. I think that they're kind of funny to us. Like, so the things that they're doing are bad, but maybe amusing. So this is a horror comedy more than a horror horror. I think so. The second one is full comedy. What's it rated? Uh, Good question. That would be instructive to like Gremlins. PG. PG. Okay. So this is a kids' movie. Language, horror elements, and violence. So this is a kids' movie. It's meant to be kind of like a caper more than like yeah. a Chucky type situation. God, I'm excited to watch this movie. Okay, should we look at the poster because we don't remember anything? No, but this is fun. Okay. I honestly, I thought it was just like a like a a horror movie, like an '80s horror movie, and now I'm like, oh, this is like for kids. That's fun. I'm yeah, excited. and a huge success. Yeah. Okay, let's look at the poster. Okay, so the poster, we see a mogwai in like a shoebox with a bunch of holes in it Mm -hmm. um, being held by, uh, let's say, a a fit daddy. Just say it like that. Wearing a white tee and jeans. Tucked in, obviously. Uh, This is the 80s. His tee is tucked in. It says gremlins underneath. Uh, And then you sort of see the mogwai kind of got his paws and his eyes. His paws are like peeking out of the box and his eyes are sort of visible in the dark. And it says, cute clever mischievous intelligent dangerous so this box doesn't tell us anything no this poster well here's a we don't get anything another question i have are these meant to be like toys or animals i think they're animals so i i think i i'm not sure if he ends up if the if he ends up buying the thing for his kid on the guy's recommendation or against the guy's better wishes like you remember that Simpsons episode where Homer, this is what I'm conflating in my head. There's a Simpsons episode where Homer forgets to buy Bart a gift and then he goes to that sort of store as well. Uh, and the guy's like, I will give you this crusty doll. I can sell you this crusty doll. And Homer's like, ooh, that's good. And he's like, but the doll is haunted. And he's like, ooh, that's bad. And he's like, but it comes with a free frozen yogurt. <laughs> he's like, ooh, that's good. And he's like, but the frozen yogurt has potassium benzoate. And Homer's just like, and the guy's like, that's bad. And he's like, can I go now? Uh, and I'm remembering the scene where he buys the Mogwai being very similar to, like that sequence being a riff off of the Mogwai sequence. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm getting a lot of my memory of like what happens there. So I'm not sure if it's, if it's that or if he actually buys something else and the Mogwai is in the box accidentally or the Mogwai sneaks into the box. Okay. And so, oh, maybe it's that. So maybe the guy's like, I won't sell you that. That's mine. Mm. Yes, I think it's that. I think it's okay. that. I think the, the store owner specifically is like, the guy's like, oh, what about that? And he's like, I won't sell you that. So he buys something else. And I think when he's like wrapping it up, it sneaks into the box. That's oh, my prediction. And the kid like loves it. He's like, wow. And the kid loves it. And yeah. the dad wanted to get it. And the store owner was like, I won't sell you that. It's very dangerous. Right. And he's like, how can it be dangerous? It's so cute. rules? Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Let's look at the box. Let's look at the box. Maybe it'll give us more. 
Okay, I, thought I said for a two minute, boxes. I thought for a minute this was the Gremlins two box because it says, it says we're, we're back, back on it. I think it just means we're back, as in we were in theaters and now we're on VHS. Correct. And so there's two boxes I sent you. I sent you the UK box and the US box. Oh, that's the UK box, right? Because it's rated 15, which is not a real. So box. let's let's start with the US box, and then we'll go to the UK box to see if it gives us anything different. Okay, so the UK, the US box, the front of the US box. What we have now is. Oh, interesting. Okay, so it's the poster again, but then there is a gremlin bursting through the poster. Oh, yeah. Right in front of the Mogwai's face. And the gremlin is sort of, as we described, scaly, big mouth, big ears, except he also has a mohawk. Yes. And he is holding a red crayon, and he has crossed out cute, clever, mischievous, and intelligent. Where's dangerous? The word dangerous is not on this box. Well, I guess he didn't want to cross out the word dangerous, so they removed it. And then this one says, Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins uh, above the title. And then it has the little, the um, short credit block underneath uh, starring Zach Galligan, but it's blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. On the side of the box, it says Gremlins and has that same picture of the Gremlin again. Uh, Sort of zoomed in on just the Gremlin. We don't see his hand. And then on the back of the box... It says, uh, the gremlins are coming in the year's most bizarre comedy. Comedy. Okay. Uh, and on the in the top, we have two pictures. We have a picture of uh, the Mogwai itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a picture of a wrapped present being held by Zach Galligan and what looks like Jerry Gergich from <laughs> Parks and Recreation. That's what I thought also. <laughs> uh, okay. So the back of the box says, sure, he's cute. Of course you can keep him. But heed these three warnings. So it's three. Uh, Don't ever get him wet. Keep him away from bright light. And most important thing, the one thing you must never forget, no matter how much he cries, no matter how much he begs, never, never feed him after midnight. With these mysterious instructions, young Billy Peltzer takes possession of his cuddly new pet. He gets a whole lot more than he bargained for. Feels like a weird sentence. Like, and he gets a whole lot? Yeah, okay. Uh, Gremlins is a hilariously funny, wickedly scary film, a bizarre Jekyll and Hyde creation that may have you alternately hiding your eyes and holding your sides with laughter. It starts out like a comfortable situation comedy, quickly takes several weird turns for the worse, and winds up in a fun house back in hell to make a witch's Sabbath look like a Sunday school square dance. Okay. Huh. That's a weird... If you saw The Howling or the highly rated It's a Good Life chapter of Twilight Zone, the movie... You already have a good idea of director Joe Dante's delirious visual magic. In a Dante movie, things go wrong, and all you can do is hold on for dear life and hope that you're still in one piece at the end of the ride. Huh. What a uh, oddly descriptive back of the box. Oddly non-descriptive as well. Like It's it's like descriptive of the vibe. Yeah. But not describing the movie. Right, of like what actually. Um, I'm excited for the back of now. I know, well, I'm looking up uh, Joe Dante's filmography now because they're like framing him as, uh, okay, Joe Dante, American film director. His films, notably Gremlins and Gremlins 2, often mix 50s style B-movie genre with 60s radicalism and cartoon comedy. He's he directed done, Small Soldiers, a movie I love. Piranha, The Howling, Piranha. Explorers. The so James Cameron directed Piranha 2. Oh, interesting. Um. He directed a segment of the Twilight Zone movie. I know that. And we obviously read that on the box. He directed... 
It's interesting that like they're already uh, billing him as what is it? Jurassic Park. <laughs> Wait a second. Unrealized. He has a giant list on Wikipedia of unrealized projects, and one of them is Jurassic Park. Yes, I, he was actually he was at one point um, considered, I think, for directing Jurassic Park. Interesting. He directed Looney Tunes back in action. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Joe Dante, a guy, but not inner space. It, basically, uh, he's a guy. Like the movie is built, the box is pitching it as like this guy is a visionary. I think he's now most known for Gremlins. So, interesting. Right. All right. Inner space is another one that I would we could also do on this podcast eventually. Okay, so that's Joe Dante, and that's that's the U.S. box. Yeah. Didn't give us a ton. FBI warning is on there. That's interesting. Let's go to the U.K. box. The UK box front is basically the same side, just says Gremlins. Now let's go to the back. Sure, he's cute. Of course you can keep him, but heed these three warnings. Don't ever get him wet. Keep him away from bright light. And the most important thing, the one must never forget, no matter how much he blacks, blah, 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 blah. Don't feed him after midnight. With these mysterious instructions, young Billy Peltzer takes possession of his cousin's new pet, yada, 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 Jekyll and I creation. It's exactly the same. No, and now it talks about special effects wizards and Steven Spielberg. Okay, okay. special effects wizard Chris Wallace brought his own magic to the title role creatures in both lovable and terrible incarnations. Of course, it's impossible to do, Wallace said when he first read the script, so let's do it. The result of his labor is a horde of knee-high demons able to move in surprising and savage ways. Of the gremlins themselves, executive producer Steven Spielberg said, if they could speak English, they'd probably say, let's party. But party time for gremlins is panic time for humans. In a startling sequence of the sheerest black comedy, Billy's mother defends her middle American kitchen against an onslaught of gremlin mayhem with marvelously vicious results. Hysterical, vicious, irreverent, even good, clean fun. Gremlins is all this and more. Get your head wet, help yourself to a midnight snack, and enjoy the show. Those boxes were totally unhelpful. Uh, I think that what happens is when he gets wet, these like little puffballs shoot off of his back. And they're like spores, and they grow into gremlins. Interesting. Uh, I do not remember that at all. But perhaps they grow into more mogwai, and then they turn into gremlins when they eat after midnight. Like, I'm not sure of the relationship between the mogwai and the gremlin, other than doing one or all of those three things, or some of those three things, turns them into gremlins. gremlins. <laughs> I know you just were in Paris. Should I read the French box? The gremlins. Okay. Okay. So okay. So feeding them after dark turns them into gremlins. Getting them wet, you think, multiplies them. And what's the third rule? I mean, everybody knows you got to get wet to multiply. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, that might have to get cut out. Uh, Wait. What's the third rule? Oh, they can't, bright they light. can't touch the light. I think bright light kills them. That'd be sad. Um, well, not when they're gremlins. Uh, I think feeding him after midnight turns him into a gremlin. I think getting him wet causes him to reproduce. Okay, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, okay so it's... <laughs> oh my god. I broke the podcast. Okay, Billy's mo- Billy's mother uh, defends her kid- middle-aged American kitchen 
Do you think that then this movie is concerned? Sorry. It's not a middle-aged kitchen. I said a middle American. It's a middle American kitchen. I thought you just said her middle-aged kitchen. I think I said a middle American. Um, okay. Do you think that means that this entire movie is constrained to the house? Yeah, I think this one takes place in a house. And then the second one... God, here's what we should do. I know that we normally go to another movie. We should do Gremlins and then immediately Gremlins too. I'm making a face because... Um, if there's one thing in life that truly matters to me, it's that I get to pick every other movie on this podcast. Fair enough. Now, uh, maybe, maybe you'll love Gremlins so much that you want to do Gremlins too. Yeah. I have to trust the process. Cool. So that is what we remember about the movie. Uh, should we watch the trailer? Also, I'm like 99% sure his name is Gizmo. I want to just make sure that that's captured. That's a prediction. I believe the Mogwai's name is Gizmo. It does not say that on the box or the poster. Yeah, no, that's it's good. I remember. Unlike previous episodes where we've guessed things that we were scared enough to edit out, this is a purely good prediction. And I believe that Gizmo's profession is exotic dancer. <laughs> <laughs> but he owns a weirdly nice house. That does remind uh, me, though. I feel like, are there, like, female gremlins who, like, look like, like Lola Bunny and have, like, red <laughs> lipstick and stuff? So, that is Gremlins 2. Okay. I'm confident that that's Gremlins 2. Okay. Which, which is why, you'll see why I want to do Gremlins 2 when we watch this movie. Because you're into that uh, kind of thing, I guess. All right. Yeah. Let's, uh, okay. let's watch let's, the trailer. Let's watch the trailer. Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins. Billy Pelser has a nice home, a nice job, a nice girl. And loving parents who were about to give him... You're going to like this. No, 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 don't shake it. We're going to have to open it now. We'll wait till Christmas. The most unusual gift he ever got. What is it? It's your new pet. But there are a few things to keep in mind. If you expose it to the light, you may hurt it. If you get it wet, it will multiply. All that from water? We got wet? Yeah, plain water. And most important, no matter how much they bake... Never, never let them eat after midnight. Rafe. Yes. They become clever. <laughs> mischievous. What's going on here? And dangerous. Gremlins. <laughs> directed by Joe Dante. They'll be expecting you. That looks so fun. <laughs> okay. That looks so fun. So fun. I have it's to got kind you... of a Home Alone vibe, too. Yeah. Well, Chris Columbus wrote it. Um, I have to give you some, some props. Uh, number one, you were right about them multiplying when they get wet. <laughs> 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 Truly, when I started that sentence, I did not mean to like... Get us down this road again. But you were right. Uh, that was a good call. Um, Did I say the word multiply in my horrible sentence before? I don't remember. Because that's not. exactly what it says. It says if you get it wet, it multiplies. I think you said reproduce or something. Uh, um, uh, wait, there was a couple other things that you said that were like spot on. Um, oh, if they, turn, if they get light, they die. And if they eat, they turn into gremlins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but there was like a couple, whatever. A lot of the stuff in here. The thing I was wrong about is I seem like I was wrong about there being a 
a kid. I mean, there is a kid, but it's but not. He's older. So, yeah, the, the Billy Peltzer, who gets the Mogwai from his parents as a gift, even though he lives by him. The whole thing is strange. That No, he lives with he them, seems, it looks like. He lives with them? I thought he lived in his house. He has a job. He has a job. And I, I, had a, oh, I got the impression that, that he lives with them. Oh, interesting. I got the, well, we'll see. Uh, and maybe that's his younger brother, the kid or in the trailer? Like the neighbor kid. Or just the neighbor kid. He's like the prototype for the neighbor kid who uh, goes into the Home Alone van. Oh, yeah. Bring me back something French. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he it, told them to count their kids again. <laughs> well, these cops in here also were like, yeah, monsters. And then he like no, pouring himself yeah. some whiskey. Well, that's, that is one of the like classic things about Gremlins, right? Is that the in a Gremlin story, it's always like, or at least in the Twilight Zone Gremlin thing, it's like there is one person who sees the Gremlin and he's like, there's a Gremlin on the plane. It's going to destroy the plane. And no one believes them. And then at the end of the Twilight Zone episode, the person is like committed. But then you also see that the Gremlin maybe was real. Oh, yeah. Well, that right. That the monster. So like there is this whole thing with Gremlins generally, like as a concept that only one person notices them and it makes them seem crazy. Right. I feel like that's a core of the Gremlin sort of storyline. Right. Um, yeah, they do a lot of damage. They do a lot of basic damage. It's fun, right? It's not... I don't know. In my in my memory of the movie, they were, like, murdering people. Uh, like, so I, I don't think the like... air vent thing happens in this movie. Oh, you notice how the trailer didn't show, show them at all? It didn't show neither the uh, Mogwai or the Gremlins. Yeah, you got to hold it back. I mean, it showed a little bit of the gremlins running at the end. You saw their ears sort of flapping. Right. Okay. So, what do you think you're going to give this movie on rewatch? I think I'm going to give it like an eight. I think I like the ingredients here. I I like actually when I was reading about that, you know, when I read out loud about like this guy's style, and I was like, mixes like 50s. You like there? Yeah. I like that that tone that's going on here, of like. This like that's like weird like Pleasantville kind of thing while you know while this like weird stuff is happening, um, and I think it's gonna be fun and funny and entertaining. Um, I'm also already know that I'm gonna be okay with like how bad the Gremlins are probably gonna look, like relative to like they're, they're gonna look like puppet puppets running around a movie. Um, but I think they're gonna look great because of that. Right. I mean, bad as in like unrealistic if they're supposed to be realistic characters in a movie um yeah i i'm i'm shooting for an eight i think it's gonna be uh really good and I, I was gonna say like a cult classic it, it made a ton of money but i think like now it's like one of those things that like whereas like mario was like so weird in a just didn't work way i think this is gonna be so weird you know all these years later in a perfect way so I'm yeah going an eight. i think what this movie's you? totally gonna rip I would be with the problem with following Jurassic Park is that I think in normal situation I would give this a nine, but then I'm like, this is not one point worse than Jurassic Park. Like, so I have to just go like, okay, this is an eight. Jurassic Park is kind of setting the scale here, right? Uh, so I'm going to go eight as well. Uh, are you going to watch a movie with your kids? No, I no, I don't think so. For a couple of reasons. Number one, it is still a horror movie, even though it's a horror comedy, even though it's rated PG. I think they were playing fast and loose back then. 
Uh, was there even PG-13 well, at that time in 1984? N- so when did PG... PG-13... I, the story is that PG-13 came into existence because of Steven Spielberg. 1984. Oh, so that's when this... But I wonder when in 1984. Um, July 1st. July 1st, 1984. So, Three weeks after this. That's crazy. Uh, let's see. PG-13 turned 30. The classic movie that led to So yeah, it's literally... Okay, in the 1980s, complaints about violence and gore in films such as Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Gremlins, yeah. both of which received PG ratings, refocused attention on films seen by small children and preteens. That's literally yeah. why PG-13 exists. Yeah, this Slash Film article, uh, the lead photo is Gremlins. Here, as for Gremlins, because Indiana Jones was the other one, as for Gremlins, adults and children were likely uncomfortable with the graphic, if cartoonish, violence inflicted by and upon the film's titular little agents of chaos. Gremlins are... Oh, I don't want to say too much about what happens to them. Uh, While it looks silly to some, it's understandable that such scenes could have been shocking to younger viewers and parents who didn't anticipate such violence. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, Um... Gremlins and Temple of Doom were both released in 84, and the depiction of boundary-pushing violence combined with their PG ratings led to complaints and criticisms from concerned parents and moviegoers who felt the films we rated are. This prompted the director Steven Spielberg, who directed Temple of Doom and served as executive producer of Gremlins, to use the weight of his influence in the film industry to push for the Motion Picture Association to once again alter its rating system. It's interesting that it was... He Spiel- suggested the intermediate rating between PG and R. And it was his movies that were in the same year were, were, were the ones causing the uproar. God, so I previously said that this guy knew how to make movies and make money. He also knows how to make MPAA ratings? <laughs> Steven Spielberg, man. Is there anything this guy think, can't do? How much do you think he... Uh, right, he collects a percentage of every movie that's PG-13. PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's funny because like every movie's PG-13 now, right? Like, Aren't all the Marvel movies PG-13? That's like the money rating. Uh, right. Right. I mean, I anyway. think there is, there, is, there is an actual argument to be made, and maybe I'll start to make it now, that the PG-13 rating is what ended the R-rated thriller sort of run in cinemas. Because it used to be that there was a PG rating and there was an R rating, right? And if you couldn't get suitable for all children, you were R. Right. And... Because of that, that meant there were really two types of movies. There were adult movies and there were kids' movies. And then you got PG-13 and it's like, it's just adult enough that adults will want to see it and kids will want to see it. Yeah. And now it's like, all the movies that are big blockbusters are PG-13. And like, R is very rare. PG is very rare. G is Pixar, Disney, animated. PG, I feel like, is live-action Disney movies. Sorry, not... It's so hard to say now because Marvel is Disney movie and and Star Wars. I know what you mean. I know what yeah. you mean. The live-action remake branch of Disney. Yeah, we're not even remake necessarily, but just like a live-action, like, kids movie. Like, I don't even know, like... It's probably not Disney, but like... The Bridge to Terabithia type stuff. The Lion is Bridge to Terabithia PG or PG-13? It must be PG. That's, that's exactly the kind of movie that is now PG. I'm looking it up. That's a bold prediction. Bridge to Terabithia, MPAA rating. So hard to find in this country. Uh, PG. Yeah. PG. Yeah. That's a PG movie in my head now. Of like, because it's real people encountering like 
slightly. I have more... really, really bad news for you. That movie came out 16 years ago. Yeah, that movie's uh, so old. I know. We yeah, could practice. Like, we could almost do that movie on this podcast. That's uh, weird because I saw it in college. Yeah. Um, yep. yep. We are old. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's interesting. So all of that is to say, I'm not going to show this to my kids. I think it's too bizarre. I think that's the other thing. Is like not only I think it might be too scary. It's such a skewed worldview that I don't think that like they've like encountered that I don't even think they would know what to make of it. Well, I'm curious. They've seen Home Alone, right? Yep. That's so I'm curious. I mean, this will be something we definitely revisit in the second half, right? Like, okay, you're not going to show it to them on this first watch, but if you love the movie and it becomes canonical, maybe you'll show it to them. So we will definitely talk about that in the second half. But you know what that movie was for me? Uh, sorry, I you know you tried to wrap up, and I just totally nah. uh, like Edward Scissorhands was a great or Beetlejuice are good examples of like movies that were like for kids, but were so weird uh, that like I didn't know what to like how to like what to make it. Like it was just hard for my brain to process the movies because they were like grotesque in like that kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's what like this is, and so like that's what I'm, how I'm thinking about it for my kids. But see, I think, I, I, obviously these are lofty ideas for a person whose kid's not old enough to watch any of these movies in any meaningful way. But I do think that there's something really important, maybe not important, but there's something to introducing kids to these like darker, macabre ideas. Like Beetlejuice specifically is obviously very creepy, but also like they're in the waiting room for the afterlife for a long portion of that. And they just encounter all these different dead people in Beetlejuice. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you remember that. I don't. Uh, we should do Beetlejuice on this podcast. Yeah, uh, but I got to stop saying his name or he'll show up. Uh, <laughs> Beetlejuice Batman would be a really good. Uh, uh, He's right there. Back to back combo. Uh, yeah, we could have connected it to Jurassic Park. On Michael Keaton was almost in that movie. <laughs> True. Uh, no, I think there's something really important about that sort of scary, dark thing for kids. I think. I don't know. I've told you in the past that that when when my daughter is scared of a movie, uh, her thing is she rewinds. So like when we watched the oh, Jungle right, Book me, right. and the snake so she, came on, she and she's like, tears. "Can we watch it again? Can we watch it again? Can we watch it again?" Like she just needs to keep seeing it because it scares her. Uh, and I think I think that there's something to that with these movies as well as like an immersion therapy and like a. But maybe maybe it also fucks you up. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting thing. I don't want to belabor this. So I feel like we've gone longer than we thought we were going to in the first place. But like, I feel like my kids have largely been going down this like path of like naivety, naivete, however you pronounce that. Um, which I think is interesting. Because I think my wife always had much more of that than I did in my life in general. And I don't know like if that's a nature or nurture thing, but it it feels cruel in some way to intentionally veer them into something that like i know that like by and large they tend to be like on the more naive side so to be like like watch this like i never know the right way to introduce it uh for that well reason. you could always skip gremlins and go directly to um eating raul <laughs> and just introduce your kids to the concept of murdering swimmers and feeding their corpses to dogs yeah uh you know Total normal parent stuff, stuff. yeah 
So anyway, cool, cool. no, that was a 20-minute tangent about how I'm not going to show this movie to my You're going to give it an 8. I'm going to give it an 8. This Everybody. movie's going to be great. Uh, super excited to watch it. Uh, see, you, see you in a couple weeks. Yep. Pew, pew. Talk soon. There we go. Oh boy. What a saga. Uh, oh boy, 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 boy. <laughs> okay, so we're recording an hour late. It's uh it's not the end of the world. It's every time. Um Legit. Yeah, every time something goes wrong. Speaking of things going wrong, in the last in the last uh episode I mentioned that moving to the fortnightly cadence means we have we're sort of overflowing with usual bullshit. Yeah. And I meant that as a direct segue into a specific problem that you were having at the time. Uh keying on the word overflowing bullshit. Uh <laughs> yeah. Um I've yeah. I've had some overflowing issues <laughs> lately, if that's what you're trying to set up. Uh which sounds worse than it is. Uh, <laughs> I mean uh in the very literal sense of water overflowing. Um, my, uh, fish tank is next to my TV and I didn't tell this story previously. I don't think you told it. Okay. The podcast. Kind of a good story. Okay. So, uh, my daughter uh, is in sleepaway camp right now and, uh, I, I'm sure you, you didn't see where this was going. Um, uh, and, uh, the bag, the, the, this people came a week before she left to pick up her bags. Um, uh, and they were scheduled to come on a Sunday. We were told they were going to come uh, between nine and one. And uh, at six thirty in the morning, they start calling us uh, that they're outside our door <laughs> on a Sunday morning. Um, it's literally the opposite of producing this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're uh, an hour late every time, and they're two and a half hours early. Yeah, so it's six thirty in the morning. We haven't like finished wrapping up her stuff because we thought we had time. So we like get up at eight and use the last hour. And um, so I'm like half awake and I'm like <laughs> tacking up all this stuff. That's the most Isha shit I've ever heard. <laughs> we thought we would use the last hour to actually do it. No, no, no. It was done. There was just like stuff needed to be like duct taped, closed better and stuff. Uh, so um, I'm like half awake and I'm like doing this. And then um, they leave with the bags. We're like, okay, we did it. And I'm like, as it quiets down after all like the hubbub. I hear my fish tank is like really loud. So basically there's like a filter and it like shoots the water into the tank and like water evaporates every week by like a little bit. And you can kind of hear, you know, when there's, when you need to like top it off because like it just gets a little too loud, like the fountain sound. But this sounds like insane. It sounds like someone's like peeing into my fish tank. (laughs) And I'm like, what the hell? And like, I walk over (laughs) And the fish tank is half empty. And then, so the filter is just dumping into this thing. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Where did all the water go? And then I notice that, like, the filter, like, popped out. And water is pouring out of the top of my filter, which until now I never realized was touching my TV. So all of the water had been dumping out of my fish tank directly onto my TV. So my TV is dripping water from, like, the bottom 
like imagine like a flat screen TV mounted on the wall <laughs> and water is just dripping out of it. We have a bench under our TV with like books and stuff. All the books are soaked. The bench is soaked <laughs> and the TV is just dripping. I was like, oh, fuck. So like I scramble, like I unplug the, uh, the filter. <laughs> I assess the damage. I turn on the TV. The TV is co- like the bottom half of the TV is like uh, covered in like water stains, like the screen. Uh <laughs> So, like, the screen is, like... It's so crazy. It's so crazy. Well, here's the crazy thing. So, first of all, the TV worked fine. Online, it was, like, uh, don't turn on your TV for, like, a week, like, lest it, like, blow up. But I, I didn't... Uh, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. What did you Google to find other examples of this exact thing online? I, like, Google... Were there like, other people who are, like, yeah, I put my fish tank next to my TV, and now I have two fish tanks? Like... Yeah, I mean, I it's it no, I didn't Google that exactly, but I just said like what like wet TV like <laughs> what what do uh, so so people were like there's like <laughs> put it in rice yeah there, no there's like all these tips of like a fan put it out in the sun like all this crazy stuff uh, anyway I just like turned on the TV and there were like these water screens but like <laughs> it worked fine and I'm like I'm not buying a new TV but here's the crazy thing this was like uh, two weeks ago the TV is completely dried and it you can't even tell anymore like I was willing to like go from now to like Black Friday and like ride it out um, because like unless the screen is particularly bright you couldn't really see the water stains but like They've they've dried and the TV is like fine now. Very strange. I didn't anticipate like water get poor would get poor. I didn't anticipate water would ever get poured into my TV. Period. But I certainly <laughs> didn't anticipate that after it happened, uh, it would like recover. Um, but lo and behold, uh, it's fine. So yeah, that is not even the story that I was going to tell as the usual bullshit, because the usual bullshit I was going to tell today is that I just picked up my kids from camp like an hour ago and the counselor's like, we were doing tie dye uh, and it, it like the bottle spilled. And then my, my kids like bodies are, are tied up, are tie dyed. <laughs> she's like, it should come, she's like, it should come out like after three or four baths. I'm like, so they're, they're like. Their bodies are just going to be stained with ink for the next week. Uh, so, yeah. Like, my son's ankle... Wait, what color are your children now? Okay, so my son's ankle is, like, fully green. Like, one of his legs is just, like, from his ankle onto his foot. He's wearing flip-flops. It's all green. Um, my younger son has two little green dots between his eyes. <laughs> And then their hands, their hands are are all different colors. Uh, so uh, when I'm done this podcast, I'm gonna throw them in the bath and just let them soak for like a half hour and see what happens. Put in a couple t-shirts, you can get a tie-dye yeah. shirt out of it. It's, it's uh, after I picked them up, I had laundry in the machines, and I was like, "Oh, guys, before we go upstairs, we have to just like uh, switch the laundry." And my eight-year-old started taking out the laundry. I'm like, "Wait a second, don't touch the laundry. <laughs> you're gonna tie-dye our clothes. It's wet t-shirts, and your hands are full of ink." <laughs> uh, okay, that's a pretty good start. And it, it, oh, so uh, anyway, it's a good segue because when they came home, I was thinking about this podcast, and I was like, um, "It looks like something the Gremlins would would do to somebody." <laughs> yes, it really is. Like they got up to some mischief here. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
So okay, gr- how do we start this podcast? Normally? That's it. You we just bullshit. get into it. So, so Gremlins. Right. Uh, Good segue. Okay, here's a question for you before we get into the plot recap. Uh, yeah. Now that you've seen it, how much were you conflating with Gremlins 2 and how much... Because actually, in, in hindsight... Almost everything. Oh, but you remembered a lot of the plot in the first half. So, so uh, not almost everything. So, so specifically the sequence where Gizmo goes like, Rambo! Oh, yeah, is, okay. That's definitely Gremlins 2. Um, I have something about no, that. No, you're right. Yeah, uh, you're right. I think I, I think I was mostly. Remember- I, did, I actually did a pretty decent job. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's go through the plot. You you were right as far as the opening goes. Okay, so the whole movie is kind of like I think we talked about this in the, after watching the trailer. Is in this like there's a like combination of like two different like pastiche is right. It's like it opens with almost like this like. 50s like hard-boiled like private eye uh voiceover of the inventor dad um yeah but it's not that hard-boiled yeah but it's weird it's weird and then he's like so he's like let me tell you a story about uh the time i right so he goes to chinatown which is okay so he goes to chinatown uh you were right crazy which is crazy uh it's a little bit um culturally insensitive let's say um so he go but you were right about the the depiction of the old man who has the shop. He has a Fu Manchu. Uh, he has like missing, like one of his eyes is like cloudy. Um, so, so um, yeah, so he goes into the story. So he's, he's an inventor. This is real uh, um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids vibes. Yeah. The inventor thing is like, it occurred to me and I'm just like, oh, I definitely love that about this movie. Because I was like, oh, I'm going to be an inventor. Yeah. Because uh, that was my number one career goal. Our first become uh, an inventor. Our first episode. Yeah, I totally did not remember the inventor plotline, and I I love that the movie is constantly showing us his inventions and how terrible they are, and how terrible. But every single one of his inventions is terrible, right up until the moment where, spoiler alert, they used his inventions to kill all the gremlins. <laughs> well, not all of them, but a bunch of the gremlins. Right in the what with the mom in the kitchen. Yes. Yeah. Which is just, Great that scene. is a real fucking scene of a movie. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. So he goes into the store trying to sell. It's it's very strange why he would be trying to sell his bathroom buddy to like an ancient Chinese shop. But I digress. Yep. So he goes in there. So, so there is, there is, should I, should I pepper this in here? There is a deleted scene from the beginning of the movie where he's more explicitly saying he's like in another shop looking for some sort of weird gizmo as a gift for his son. Okay. That's what he calls it. Oh, interesting. And he says, I'm looking for a gizmo That's as a gift for my son to some gizmo. other shop owner. Okay. And the other shop owner is going and this, this, that kid who's leading him around shows up and is like, come with me. Like my grandfather's shop has all the weirdest, best stuff and shows him like a shrunken head. Okay. And he's like, is that real? And he's like, everything's real in my grandfather's shop. And then it goes into that next scene. So you see a little bit more how yeah. he got there and why the character is called Gizmo. And also, like, why he's hanging out with that kid. That seems like an important scene. Um, yeah, I think they just decided that, like, this movie can be shorter. We don't need an extra two and a half minutes on the front right. before you meet the Mogwai or whatever. Right. So they cut it out. Okay, so he goes into the store. He tries to sell this, this old... Chinese man in the bathroom, buddy. Um, and then he hears like whimpering or singing or something. And he's like, what is that? And he goes and op- he pulls up a curtain and 
Gizmo the Mogwai is there, and he's like, this thing is adorable. Uh, let me buy it off you. Uh, I'll give you $100, give you $200. And the kid's like, yeah. And the grandfather's like, no. Uh, you're not ready to take care of this thing. Um, and he walks Yeah, away. and I was right. He, he doesn't want to sell it He doesn't it want to sell it. Yes, you were right. Um, but and then I was like, wait, if he doesn't sell it to him, how does, how does he know he... the rules? And the movie doesn't really explain that because it's not clear how the kid knows the rules. Oh, well, I think the kid. He does say, like, the kid tells him the rules. Yeah. You hear the kid in, like, a voiceover, a voiceover in a voiceover telling him the rules. Yeah. So, it is weird that they didn't just record a, shoot a scene where the kid explains the rules to him. Yeah. Yeah. But whatever. Okay, so the kid's like, wait a minute. We need the money. Like, don't worry. I'll hook you up. So the the... The father goes out, waits in the alleyway. The kid comes out with the box. He's like, here you go. Uh, gives him the money. And then as he's like walking back through Chinatown, you hear this like, there are three rules. Uh, don't, get, uh, don't get them wet. Don't feed them after midnight. And don't uh, expose them to direct sunlight. Um, so, okay. So then from there, cut to, uh, what's the kid's name? Christmas at the house. Yeah. Billy. Billy. So Billy is trying to start his car. His neighbor hates foreigners. This is like a big theme throughout the movie. Uh, yep. He would definitely have yep. been there on January 6th. Right? Yes. He would definitely also be calling the gremlins the China virus if he knew where the dad got the gremlin. <laughs> right. Um, all right. I'll try to be a little more. Yeah. I'll try to be. Okay. So Billy basically lives with his parents. I, well, so I was right the about other, that. The other funny thing is. Funny thing. In that. I, I want to just, I want to be really clear the level that this movie is playing at. When the dad is trying to sell the Chinese store owner on the bathroom buddy, which first of all, he says you can bring it on an airplane, which no, you definitely cannot bring it on an airplane anymore. <laughs> yeah. But when he's trying to sell it on him, he's like, he's like, say you have a big meeting and then you've got dragon breath. Yeah. And, and then, then he's like, dragon. Um, yeah. I mean, bad breath. And then a gong sound plays like that's the level that this movie's playing on in terms of its sensitivity towards, uh, let's say, cultural stereotypes. Yeah. Uh, my note just says, uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, the, what is it, 1984? Like, not to excuse this, yeah. but like, you know, this was this was the time. Um, yeah, not great. Also, again, the fact that like whatever idyllic town this is like has a downtown chinatown adjacent to it does not track to me at all uh it, well, he might not have been that close okay um i yeah. guess that's fair because he's like a traveling salesman um all right fine so i guess to try to in the interest of expediting things the whole town is meant to be very idyllic like norman rockwelly and it's like christmas time it is it is structured around it's a wonderful life. Okay. So it is it is meant to specifically evoke that. Okay. There you go. And that's um, part of the reason they shot it on like sound stages is Joe Dante wanted it to look like that. Right. It definitely is very intentionally twee in that in that way. Um Yeah. It goes back also to like we had a, a bit of an early streak of uh is it a holiday movie? That was a, a little game we were playing. Uh, this is very much a holiday movie. This is definitely a holiday movie. Uh, but was it actually, uh, I don't remember now, when was it? Was it released Christmas time? Uh, let's look that up. Because it is decidedly a Christmas movie. 7th December 1984 there you go. in the UK. 
All right. I mean, um, but I searched specifically for the words U.S. No, June 8th. Oh, yeah. US. I remember it being so, June. That's not, very strange. Why would they do that? Um, who knows? Okay. Um, okay, wait. Continue with the plot. Okay, so Billy couldn't start. Okay, okay so Billy works at the bank. Um, he can't start his car. He can't start he his car. Runs to the bank. To the and bank. he seems to live pretty close. Yes. So and like, everyone maybe, is like, drive. right. And then everyone's like, hey, Billy. They're all like, have, you know, it's like, again, it's like small town vibes. Uh, everyone, you know, everyone loves each other. Everyone gets along. Except for the really mean uh, bank owner. Uh this woman who threatens to murder so, Billy's dog. Is she the bank owner? She's not the bank owner. No, she's so there's a there's a cut subplot in this movie where so she sort of like owns a lot of the town, basically. Right. She's kind of like the Mr. Burns equivalent, uh, if you were to put it into The Simpsons. With the specific there was a subplot of this movie where she was buying up land to turn the town into like a nuclear power plant. And Billy and Kate find that out uh, at one point, and that is all cut from the movie because they eventually realize, like, oh, you're going to realize this woman is a villain the second she says that if she sees that dog, she's going to kill him and eat him or whatever. Right. Right. Uh, so they cut all the nuclear power plant stuff, but yeah, she like owns the town. She's like the money behind the town. Okay, so she's very, very mean. Just like woman and her kids is like, can we please have two more weeks to repay our loan? And she's like, no. And they're like, how should, how are we going to eat? She's like, you should have thought, whatever. She's very mean. She's kind of like um, Richard Attenborough to uh, Wayne Knight in uh, Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. So anyway, Billy works in the bank. Uh, Kate Phoebe Cates uh, is like his uh, love interest. Uh, Judd Hirsch, who I didn't realize, uh, Judd Nelson. What's the actor's name? Judge Reinhold. There it is. Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold. Um, Judge, my name. Was there? Oh, hold on. I've been thinking about this actually for a really long time. This is. I should have saved this for after the plot recap. There was a cartoon. I don't remember what cartoon, but they like made fun of Judge Reinhold, where like he thought he was like a judge in real life. Is this is this ringing no, any bells? That's Interested Development. Oh, that's Interested Development. Is that what it is? Yes, that's the 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 magazine ads where. It says, my name is Judge. And Job uses it to control the puppet. And Judge Reinhold's getting his own TV show. And he's like, I heard that Judge Judy makes $4 million a year. I've never even heard of the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then Michael's like, wait, so you're just doing this because your name is Judge? <laughs> okay. That- and he's like, you know, I'm just making that connection. I that that is that show is the best. That show is the best. But I, I, I'm it's gonna I'm gonna find it. I think it also okay maybe and they they rename the show Mr. Reinhold's courtroom. <laughs> okay, I knew there yeah. was something, but I still feel like it was something else, like Bobby's rule or something. All right, it doesn't matter. Okay, so Judge Reinhold uh, is like the douchey like more senior bank mm-hmm. guy and he's like hitting on Phoebe Cates and she's not having it. And she volunteers at like the local pub, uh, to help them out. And okay. So Billy's father, after he comes home, uh, after Billy gets home from work that first day and then Billy's dad comes home, he's like, I have a Christmas present for you, but you have to open it now because, uh, you can't live in this box forever. So Billy opens it. Uh, it's this mogwai. Uh, it's extremely cute. Um, and Billy's like, Oh, I've the, what a great pet. Thanks dad. What a great gift. Um, I like that in the fiction of this movie, like 
this is normal. Like, a mogwai is... Like, no one's like, this is so weird. Like, they're like, oh, what a cute pet. They do think it's a little weird because he tells Billy the rules, and then Billy is, like, messing around with it or whatever. He does get it wet. Yeah. Very quickly. Okay, fine. So, and, so he gives him... Well, he doesn't. Then Actually, when it, when it reproduces Feldman on getting wet. wet. Oh, that's right. Corey Feldman gets wet because he knocks over the... Yeah. He's showing it to his friend, Corey Feldman. Yeah, Okay. It's fine. All right. So uh, let's just, we'll go quickly. So he. But then as soon as it multiplies, he brings it to the science teacher. Right. To be like, this is a little bit weird. Right. Okay. The science teacher does think it's a little bit weird. And he draws blood from it. Yeah. Okay, fine. So, okay. So uh, Billy gets the pet. Uh, he calls him Gizmo. Uh, he's very cute. Um, they, he hangs out. Well, the dad tells him his name is Gizmo. Right. Uh, so, so Corey Feldman is like uh yeah, like Billy's friend, who Billy takes his shirt off in front of. Um, <laughs> you know, a friend. <laughs> a classic friend. Uh, so he's like delivering Christmas trees. He comes in. Uh, oh, so you actually left out one important thing. Okay. It was that when Billy goes to the bank, he has a coworker at the bank, Kate. I said this. Who he has a crush on. I said this is Did love you say this? Yeah, I said this is love interest. Yeah. God, I don't even listen to you when you talk. Yeah, just rewind uh, a little bit. Uh, uh, say it again? Yeah. So Phoebe Cates is his love interest. She works at the bank with him. Judge Reinhold oh. is hitting on her. Um, yeah. You did say Said that. all this. Great. Okay. Okay. So the first night with uh, Gizmo goes great. You know, he like makes him a little bed and they watch. Uh, he sings. I totally forgot the singing. Oh, yeah. And Billy like plays the notes on the keyboard and Gizmo like completes the song for him. Uh, all very cute. Oh, do you know who the voice of Gizmo I mean, I'm sure you looked it up. Uh, Howie Mandel yeah. is the voice of Gizmo. It's like a Howie very, Mandel, though Howie Mandel is not the singing voice. It's a very like I am Groot type situation. Uh, the singing, he says bright lights. Yeah. Uh, he makes a bunch of noises. This is Mogwai. Uh, yeah, but the sing, and he, he might say Gizmo. The singing voice is a little girl. Right. That Jerry Goldsmith found. He was like, Okay, that's a pretty good invitation. Uh, okay, so then the first night goes fine. They watch TV and they have a good time. And he tucks him into his little tiny bed. And then he wakes up uh, the next day. And is that? Oh, and then the next morning is when Corey Feldman shows up delivering the Christmas tree. He's like, "This is my pet." Uh, and he's like, "Oh, cool." And then uh, he's like, "I pick him up." He's like, "Sure." And when he goes to pick him up, he knocks over a cup of water onto Gizmo. Uh, and little spores pop out of Gizmo, and they very quickly turn into five more Mogwai. Uh, one has a Mohawk, and they are differently temperamented. There's probably a better way to say that. They, Here's what I would say. Compared to Gizmo, they seem like children. Oh, interesting. That's a good observation. And I I thought that that's what it was. So they're, they're, like, they're much more like to play games, and they're a little bit more, they're, they have a little bit more attitude yes. than Gizmo right off the bat. Yeah. They're punkier. And, there's uh, and I thought, like, oh, maybe they're, like, babies. Like, that's the idea. Like, they're, like, toddlers, and Gizmo is, like, an adult. Okay, that's fair. And one has a mohawk, and he seems the most mischievous. Uh, so uh, Billy's like, all right, I guess I have five more pets now. And that proves to be accurate. Uh, yes. He shows his dad. His dad's like, oh, this could be my invention. Every kid in the world's going to want one of these. Uh, but doesn't act on that. I thought he would immediately just, like, throw Gizmo into the bath. Um, so... <laughs> Um, so, right. I mean, like that's, that's where I thought that was going. Uh, so, uh, here's five more of them. Quick sidebar. I would be annoyed if someone bought me a pet as a gift. I think 
generally, but not if it was your parents. No, I think I would be even more annoyed if it was my parents. Oh, really? Because it would be like a family pet. Yeah, because I, but everything my parents says annoys me. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> as an adult, if someone was like, here, I got you a job, I would be really annoyed. Right. Okay. Especially if it's, like, that kind of job. They don't pay you, and they cost money. Right. Okay. I guess I think it was, like, a family pet. Plus, like, he loves the dog. All right. I hear that. That's fair. It's also, like, if he doesn't like it, don't live with your parents. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so he takes one of the uh, Mogwai to his uh, old high school science professor. Billy seems... How old do you think Billy is? That's why I was asking you in the beginning, because it says, like, he has a job. He looks like an adult. Yeah. And then it's... And he has a girl. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then it's like, he lives at home with his parents. And I'm like... And hangs out with, like, a 10-year-old. And the first place he thinks to go with the Maiwa is back to his high school science teacher. It feels like he... Uh, I'm guessing he's, like, 21. Do you think he went to college or just started working in the bank after high school? Did they mention that he went to college? I didn't get the impression that they did. He has that conversation with Judge Reinhold's character about, like, becoming something or whatever. Right. So I wonder if he just, like, graduated high school and went to work for the bank. All right. It doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah. So he takes... He's very he's a very odd age. Yeah. In this movie. Okay. So he takes uh, one of... Uh, he, uh, he takes one of the Mogwai to his old science professor in high school. Uh, and he's like, hey, run some tests on this thing. They multiply. Oh, he, he multiplies it with water. In, he puts one drop. He makes one more. Makes they one more. One yep. little drop of water on him to make one makes more. Makes one more. Okay. So the professor is running some tests on him. He sticks a giant needle into his arm. He's like, don't be a baby. This is not a big deal. Pretty mean. And then uh, at the same time that's happening, Bill, the Mogwai children are like being really annoying as Billy is trying to like watch TV with Gizmo. Uh, and he's like, what are you guys hungry? And he looks at the clock and it's like 1135. He's like, all right, it's not after midnight. I could feed them. I also think he doesn't tell the science teacher the rules. Oh, right. But the science teacher actually doesn't even feed him. So it doesn't really. Right. Matter. He grabs the science teacher's sandwich yeah. off the table. So this, and at the same yes. time, Billy is like, I'm going to feed them. And it's only 1135. So he, but then it turns out that his clock was broken. He, well, he fed them after midnight. not broken. They chewed through the wire. So that he oh, could that's right. Midnight. Yeah, that's right. It turns out that they had sabotaged the, yes. the clock. Right. Yeah. Uh, so Billy wakes up. There are these disgusting, gooey cocoons uh, all over his room. Very alien. Yes. The cocoons. Uh, and then uh, at the same time, the Mogwai that he left with the professor uh, grabs the sandwich he leaves on the desk and eats it, and then um, becomes a grandma. Becomes so okay. So these cocoons again. Everyone's taking this like. Fairly in stride. Um, well, the science teacher comes back in and he's like looking for him. The science teacher gets killed pretty quickly. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm saying everyone thinks it's normal that these cocoons like happen. They're like, well, they warned us. Um, so, okay. So doesn't Billy then goes to tell the science teacher about the cocoons and that's who he finds the science teacher. No. Dead. So the, basically he goes to see the science teacher uh, and the science teacher's like, it's entered its uh, papal state. Um uh, and then Billy goes to work. I think he says pupil. It didn't pupil. become the Pope. I know. I was thinking <laughs> of the right word. There was white smoke. We have a gremlin Pope. Uh, right. No, so he's, he's like, okay, it's a cocoon. It's, it's undergoing changes there. Billy goes to work again. 
it hatches uh, as the professor is showing the kids a movie in class. So he calls Billy. He's like, it hatched. Um, he's like, come over and and see it. And so Billy leaves work to go. And the professor's trying to like feed it because he's like, oh, it must still be like a cute more evolved thing now and it's then like hiding under a desk hiding under a desk and then it kills the professor kills the professor and jams uh the uh needle, needle into him. into his leg which is a nice callback to how he did not like being stuck with the thing okay so billy gets there realizes the professor is dead uh i don't know why i keep saying the professor he's a high school science teacher yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then he goes home no he calls like, his oh, no, mom. mom he's like mom right they're in the house and then they rip the phone wire out as billy's warning them the right. mom and then his immediately mom goes to town on this. Yes, his mom immediately just murders four of the five of them, except for Spike, who they they call the. Well, you gotta mom. you gotta describe it a little bit more yeah. detail. She puts one in the orange juicer, or like a blender, like, right? Like in the, a blender thing, and it guts. Uh, it, it gets it just Fly explodes everywhere. everywhere. Uh, she um, she puts one in the microwave, and it explodes. Turns and it, on. it explodes in the microwave. She stabs one with a sword. Is that right? Or he cuts I've... one's head off with a sword. She kills three. He kills the four. So how does she... One was like throwing sword. stuff at her and she like ran up to him. And I think she like... Didn't she stab him? I don't remember. It's... She might stab him with it. She kills one. Maybe I wrote it down. It's pretty gnarly. Uh, and then, yeah, he cuts one's head off. Right, because he's looking uh, for them and it's, uh, it's in the Christmas tree and attacks him. So basically four... Oh, wait a second. Oh, and the dad is away at an invention convention. Yes. Yeah, dad's gone. This yeah, is very, one. very, um, again, very uh, Honey, I Turned the Kids vibes, right? The dad goes to, like, give us some, like, in, you know, presentation on his inventions. Yep. Uh, okay, so then Spike realizes that uh, they're all getting murdered, and he's like, I got to get out of here. So he flees, and Billy... Stripe. Stripe. Oh, sorry. Stripe. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so he flees, and Billy follows him. He goes to the YMCA, and he jumps in the swimming pool. <laughs> And then and it that starts is like incredible, bubbling like crazy, smoke it's everywhere. And there's like smoke and there's lights flashing. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, well, before he jumps in the swimming pool, it like slashes Billy across the chest and stuff. So Billy's injured. Uh, and then uh, crucial detail, very important. So then, like a thousand gremlins are now loose in this town and are starting to cause a lot of mischief. So this is where I think you were half right. The movie has a strange mix of like straight up murder and then like much lesser gags. Uh, yeah, so they kill. They kill the foreigner like, guy. Uh, the guy, who, guy who hates, they run him over with like a truck. They, with his own. They, with his own. Uh, with his own tractor. Tractor, yeah. Right. They kill like the priest in the, the mailbox. Oh, no, they kill the other guy with the beard. Uh, the priest oh, okay. who was trying to send his letters and they, they, they threw the letters back out. And this other guy's like, oh, can I mail my letter? And the priest's like, go ahead. And then they like pull him in and, and kill him. Um, oh, that's right. I mean, they're, they're like, they make cars crash. They like change uh, the traffic lights so they're all green and a bunch of cars crash into each other. Um, but then they're also but then they just, also like, just like make a ruckus at the bar. Yeah. Oh, like they're ordering drinks and Kate is serving them. Yes. And they have like, like lighting their cigarettes and they're playing video games. And they have and guns. They're shooting each other, <laughs> um, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and then they go to the movies to watch Snow White. Yeah. Well, so Billy goes to the police station. He's like, there's gremlins, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, okay, you're crazy, son. Yeah, yeah. And then... And Mike Ehrmantraut from Breaking Bad is one of the cops. Oh, nice. 
Um, and then they get called to the scene of the, the mean lady and they, uh, rig her stair climber thing and shoot her out the window. Um, the best. Yeah. That's the best death in the movie. Yeah. Uh, it was so good. It's crazy. This movie was rated PG. I get a hundred percent see why they. It's insane. Yeah. Um, it is meant to be a comedy, right? Like it's not meant to actually well, be so, scary in that way, but it is pretty. When. Billy's mom microwaves the gremlin and its head graphically explodes. Yeah. You just can't imagine that being in a PG movie today. No. You could barely imagine that being in a PG-13 movie. Apparently, at an advanced screening of that, uh, um, a woman came up to Joe Dante and just screamed at him when that happened in the middle of the movie. Oh, wow. That it was totally unsuitable for children. She just like got up and was like, you can't do this. <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's not for kids. I mean, it is. Yeah. Okay. So it is and it isn't because they're kind of goofy. Yeah. Uh, so she's okay. So after um, Billy escapes from the YMCA, he gets in his car and then picks up. Um, Tape from the bar. From the bar because they're all, like, destroying the bar. Um, and then she realizes that, like, the lights, right? She, they're kind of, like, not letting her leave. And they keep making her, like, serve them drinks. They're, like, drinking from the tap. It's very, it's a very funny scene. Uh, it's very funny. It's a very funny scene. They're, like, playing poker. Um, it's really <laughs> funny. Um, so they basically, uh, after, like, they cause all this havoc, um, uh, it... They all disappear. And so Billy and Kate are like walking through town. And they're like, where'd they all go? And Billy's like, it's getting light. They need to like be inside somewhere. So they realize they're all in the movie theater and they all are watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, which they unironically all love for some reason. Um, like, I don't know. I know, but like, it felt like there was something they were, they were trying to do there, but whatever. So they're all watching it. Uh, Billy uh, is like, well, let's blow up the movie theater. So he, uh, Turns on all the gas valves. I like how he goes to her. Don't breathe in the gas. Cover your mouth. It's like, oh, oh, thank you. So uh, um, he um, does that, right? All the gremlins see them, like, running away behind the movie screen. Um, but they manage to lock them all in. And they blow up all the gremlins. Except uh, Stripe was out of candy, so went to the department store across the street to steal more candy. Uh, so all of the gremlins <laughs> blow up again, and then they see that he's there, and they're like, we have to kill him, or he's just going to do this all over again. Uh, so they go yep. into this department store after him. Um, he, like, wrecks them. Like, he's like, he says to Kate, he's like, go find the control room and, like, turn on all the lights. And she can't figure out how to do it, and then Billy's, like, trying to, like, confront stripe and like gets his ass handed to him like stripe has a chainsaw, chainsaw. and he's like chainsaw yeah and he's holding it off with a baseball bat yeah it was like throwing but blades at him the day so gizmo comes in like a tiny uh pink barbie car uh and uh crucially he had been watching racing oh yes on yep. television yep so there is a thing where gizmo's watching a bunch of tv in this movie though he does not watch rambo in this movie right um so he comes and like I don't even know what he does like knocks he opens so so stripes a oh that's later to, his stripes has just gone into a fountain no no that's no, later this is what happens no but he with the chainsaw he's about to kill Billy and 
I think gives. Oh, he knocks him away. It doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't kill Bill. So in the, in Kate's in Kate's uh, <clears throat> attempt to turn on the light, she turns on the fountain. Um, but Stripe is so filled with hate for Billy that he finds another gun in the department store and is like, kill Billy. It's America, man. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely going to be guns in the department store. So he's like, kill Billy or get in the fountain. So he's like hanging on the side of the fountain waiting for Billy to show up so he can shoot him first before he gets in the fountain because he's like, I'm tired of this guy ruining my plans. So Billy shows up. He tries to shoot him a few times, doesn't And then he's like, forget it. I'm just going to jump in the fountain. But before he jumps in the fountain... Um, Gizmo opens the... Oh, no, he jumps, he starts... No, no, he jumps in, he he gets wet, he starts to bubble. And then Gizmo opens the lines, and the sun comes in and melts him. With all those, like, bubbles on him, and he falls into the The fountain. The melting was so good. Yeah. He falls into the fountain, it starts bubbling again, and you don't know what's going to happen, but then he, his, like, skeleton pops out and just, like, uh, turns into goo on the floor. And then, that's it. Uh, what happened? Oh, that's and then crazy. no, and then and then um, they take Gizmo home, and they're like having Christmas. Like Kate is with him, uh, and his dad comes home from the convention. And then the old Chinese man shows up and is like, "You have you were not ready for 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 the Mogwai." Yep. There's there's one very important thing you forgot. Earlier in the movie, Kate says. I hate Christmas. Oh, yes. And he says, what are you, a Hindu or something? And then she reveals later in the movie that the reason she again hates Christmas for a kid's movie. Is that, is that when she was a kid. When she was nine years her old. Her dad died uh, dressed up as Santa. He, got st- he fell down their chimney and broke his neck yep. and got stuck. Because he was trying to surprise them. And she only noticed days later. Yeah. She thought he'd run away. She noticed days later when she... But she smelled him. Yeah. And they opened the chimney and found his dead body in there. Insane. Um, Insane. Insane. And also, like, perfect for the movie. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. But the Chinese man says at the end, this is, like, I think, kind of important commentary for what the movie is trying to say. He's like, you Americans, like, ruin everything. Uh, you're not ready for this, like, level of responsibility because you guys just, like, take, take, take and don't care about anything else. So I'm taking the Mogwai back until, like, you're ready down the line. And they're like, yeah, fair enough. We suck. Uh, There's definitely an anti-consumerism element to yeah. this whole movie. And, like, Judge Reinhold's character, who is, like, the asshole, is kind of the calm version of that, where he's like, I have cable. Yeah. I have this apartment. I'm going to be a VP. There's a cut scene where he dies. Well, I'll talk about that later. And then, like, uh, the mean lady is the, like, amped up version of that. The amped up human version of it. And then, of course, the gremlins themselves are the, like, cartoonish right. over-the-top version because all they do is consume, consume, right. consume, and laugh at things and shoot things and have fun and are destructive. Yeah. Uh, but they're all on the same continuum. And I, I think that's pretty clear in the movie. The movie is not subtle uh, about any of that. No. Um, uh, okay, so that's the movie. But what did you think of the movie? You want me to go first? I feel like I always go first. Yeah, you go first. Right. Okay, I can go first. Yeah, go first. I, it was great. It was great. I thought I was going to give it an eight, and I'm giving it an eight. I almost want to give it a nine. It's so good. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it an eight. I I, I was going to give it an eight. Like, I... I it was so fun. So fun. I loved the uh I loved the 
how stylized it was in that way. I thought it was, I thought it worked super well uh, for like, so, I, well, I guess I'll say two things. I think I thought it worked super well as like a piece of entertainment as like a piece of like commentary. I think the way that to your point, like it was all about like anti-consumerism and like, I think that very like, it's a wonderful life. Is that what it was? Uh, like how that like plays into it. Like, I feel like they, <laughs> I, I it, that all didn't like connect for me, but I just think like for like a for just the vibe of the of the movie, where it was like this like oh shucks it's Christmas time kind of feel with like this insane madcap like gremlin stuff happening within that. I loved it. I thought it was great. So fun. Yeah. Super watchable. Super weird and dark, but like I think a great example of how like. We're like, oh, Mario is going to be great because it's like swinging for the fences and it wasn't. I think like this is a more successful version that we're like, it's so crazy. It works. But like this time it actually does. Oh, yeah. Um, And the puppets look incredible. Yeah, they looked great. They are so like, I couldn't even imagine a similar version of this movie in CGI. No. Like, I just feel like it would be totally lost, not as puppets. I can't even really explain why. And yet I feel like there's eventually going to be a CGI version of this movie. Right, I mean... Well, Gremlins 2 was such a financial failure... Oh, interesting. ...that I'm not sure... Well, maybe there will be a third Gremlins, but yeah. Um, No, I loved it. When are you going to show it to your kids? That's the real question. Oh. At what age do you think you can show this movie to your children? Um, um, This is the trickiest part. I, I think to set... This is the trickiest movie that we have covered yet on the podcast. As far as Cause it, kids go. As when to show it. Because I think it's the first movie that we've watched that's really good and really confusing. Yes. Whereas like Speed is Speed is really good and it is a little bit more adult. But like it's more obviously adult. And it's like But it's also more straightforward, right? It's not trying it's more to be about anything except like a bus that can't go up below 50 miles an hour because Correct. it's crazy. It is down. really hard to predict how this is going to play with a child in a way that speed is not really yeah. hard to predict. And I think this is like also like gross and like uh, gross horror-y in a way that none of the movies we've done so far are as well. And so like you have to like be ready for like that level of like gnarliness. Uh, yeah. So do you think do you think eventually you're going to show this movie to your kids? I don't feel necessarily compelled to. Um Interesting. Interesting. You do. I don't know if I feel compelled to. I, I It's one where I, I think it'll totally depend on what the kid is like. Right. Right. That's fair. So, so like, I already know what my kids are like. Three is too yes. young. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, I already just got her not coming into my bed in the middle of every night. Like, this movie would not help. Yeah. Uh, and if she's, like, really, really brave and into sort of spooky things, like, Maybe when she's nine or so, like around that age. Yeah, but I feel like you have to like slow play it, right? With like, you know, like an Edward Scissorhands or like, I don't know. Is it a, a Home Alone? Yeah, a Home Alone. Um, but again, a Home Alone doesn't have like creatures. But Home Alone has this sort of cartoonish violence at... Christmas time. Right. <laughs> written by Chris Columbus. Well, here's an interesting actually, thing. not written by Chris Columbus. Involving Chris Columbus. Here's an interesting thing. I actually, I said I didn't do any research. I did a smidgen of research in that I read about what Gremlins 2 is about. Because uh, I'm like, did I even see Gremlins 2? I, think, I don't even think I did. But it's funny oh. that it was written by Christopher Columbus 
So it is the no, Chris. He sorry. just goes by Chris. I know. Sorry, I don't know why I said Christopher Columbus. <laughs> I mean, I know why I said it. Um, <laughs> um, it's crazy because it's it's like the first one was like a holiday, a, a Christmas movie about like you know a disaster kind of thing happening to a family like in and around their house, and then the sequel he wrote for that is. Those bad guys and bad circumstances travel to New York City for more hijinks. And that is the exact template for Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Think about that. That's so funny. Isn't that weird? Uh, yeah, I, I am excited whenever we do it to rewatch Gremlins 2, a movie that I loved as a kid. And I remember even more detail it sounds uh, crazy it sounds like almost like Die Hard, right it's like it all takes place in an apartment building it, it is demented uh and we will definitely do it at some point i, uh, I would like to watch it the best kind of demented um but yeah i did a ton of research for this episode yeah should i yeah, yeah. read through some of it please okay so uh chris chris columbus will start there he wrote the script mm-hmm. um he basically this is the second script he wrote so he wrote a script for a movie called reckless that came out in 1984 um that he really was unhappy with the way the movie turned out um but then later and he's living in, or after that script he's he was living in new york when he wrote gremlins uh and he just sent it out and he received a phone call from steven spielberg who was interested in buying the script mm-hmm. um in 2020, uh, in an interview with Collider, Columbus said that um, the movie was inspired by the rodents that were dashing across the floor of his New York apartment, telling the publication, I was thinking about these mice running around at night. They would scurry by my finger if my hand was over the bed. That's how I came up with the idea of gremlins. So he wrote the script based on having rats in his apartment. The earlier version of the script included, uh, you know, what? actually, I'll come back to that. Uh, the earlier version of the script was much darker. It included um, a scene where the gremlins eat Billy's dog, a scene where the gremlins go to McDonald's and eat a bunch of customers instead of hamburgers, <laughs> and crucially, um, Billy's mom dies in the original version of the script, and when Billy shows up back at the house, they throw her head down the stairs. Ooh. Yikes. <laughs> um, so so those are some interesting uh, versions in his, in his early version of the script. Uh, okay, so then once Steven Spielberg said he was interested in producing the film, uh, he considered Tim Burton as a possible director for this movie. Okay. Having seen Frankenweenie, this would have been Tim Burton's first uh, actual movie. He'd done a TV movie and a bunch of shorts before this, but this would have been the first movie that Tim Burton directed. Interesting. But ultimately, he was considered too inexperienced. Uh, and then Spielberg chose Joe Dante uh, because of his experience with horror comedy, specifically the 1981 movie, The Howling, which was like the movie that put Joe Dante on the map. Right. Uh, Dante was super surprised. Uh, and he said in a Guardian interview that he was down to his last few bucks before I got the Gremlins job. I directed The Howling, which had done well, but the company had gone out of business before they could pay me. When Steven Spielberg's script arrived, I was convinced he'd sent it to the wrong address. <laughs> That's uh, good. So... That's pretty funny. That is funny. Uh, okay, and then on casting, Howie Mandel voiced Gizmo, which we did not know in the first half. No. But I think we both looked up in the middle of the movie. Uh, I didn't uh, even think Winslow about Michael Winslow from Police Academy did most of the gremlin voices. I can see that, right? That's, he's a voice guy. Uh, 
um, and they're sort of on the gremlin voice note, um, they actually didn't have any of the gremlin sounds or things that the gremlins say in the script. And they were all just ad-libbed by the voice actors after filming. So they like watched the filming and they're like, hmm, what would that gremlin say in that moment? That Let's makes add sense. Some sounds. I, I like that. I think that's a good approach. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, and then Zach Galligan. Did I tell you this part already? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, when he got, he he was relatively unknown at the time. And Wikipedia says he was relatively unknown at the time. And my response to that is he's still kind of relatively unknown, but this whatever. Is, this is Billy. Uh, yeah, Billy. Yeah. So he said about his casting, where is it? Uh, I'd already auditioned for parts with Phoebe Cates before and felt very comfortable with her. When he came to this session for Gremlins, I rested my head on her shoulder and gazed at the camera. I'm told Steven Spielberg said, oh, my God, look at that. He's in love with her already. I don't need to see anything else. Oh, there you go. That's good. That's, uh, that's so a good that's, shortcut. That's how he got cast in the movie. Okay, so production. There's a ton of Easter eggs in this movie. They're not actually that interesting. For who? Uh, the one that I like is that the movie the movie in the town is showing a boy's life and look to the skies. Those are the two movies on the marquee. And those were the working titles of E.T. and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which oh, is kind of funny. That is cool. There's a bunch of E.T. references. Like the gremlins say they're going to phone home at one point. Uh, there's, there's an E.T. doll. Uh, there's a radio DJ whose like, advertisement uses the Indiana Jones font. So this is like uh, a real like... There's all sorts of Spielberg stuff think, in the movie. Spielberg think, himself is in the movie. He is? Yeah, so when the dad is at the invention convention and he's on the phone, and there's a there's like an electric car that drives by with like American flags on it. Okay. That's Steven Spielberg is driving that car. Oh, nice. That's funny. I wish I would have noticed that. Do you think that Steven Spielberg... So at the bottom of the frame, yeah. Uh, you know, as part of like his deal, uh, like... I'll, I'll produce this movie for you, or like present this movie for you, whatever. Like as long as you put a million Easter eggs. Like you think he was the one so, who insisted on that? I don't know if he's the one who insisted on that, but he was very hands-on in the production of this movie. So there's some really cool things that Spielberg insisted on that I will tell you about. Now, the main one, um, at one point, there was no stripe mogwai. Actually, what happened in the original version of the script was that Gizmo became Stripe when he turned into a gremlin. Yeah. Which is, by the way, in my head how I remembered it happening. Like, in- And Spielberg was like, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Gizmo is the hero of the movie. Yeah. It's funny, though, because, like, truly... He needs I, to be there the whole time as a mogwai. I wonder if, like, I have to go back and listen to the first half of this, but, like, I think because you're the one who did the, the plot recap first or i don't know like in my head gizmo became the gremlin and was the issue and then they had to like turn him back into like the mogwai or whatever um not what happened spielberg was like nope not you can't do that gizmo's the lead guy that's the main change that he insisted on there's one other really great spielberg quote which i'll get to when i get to my studio meddling section okay okay so for for production this is my favorite fact of the movie i need to pull up this article uh because this is the greatest thing about this movie and I, I want to get the quote exactly right initially they considered potentially doing stop motion uh for the gremlins but then they thought uh they're going to have like hundreds of gremlins if they were going to do stop motion they would have been filming the movie forever yeah they just thought there's no way it'll work um and then let me just find this quote uh okay here it is 
uh, Dante, first we talked about stop motion, then realized we'd still be shooting if we did that. And at one point, someone, I hope it wasn't me, suggested we try monkeys in gremlin suits. <laughs> Rick Baker. Hey, it worked in the Laurel and Hardy movie Babes in Toilet, Dante. But that one just had a Mickey Mouse head on. We actually did get a monkey and put a head on him and watched him careen around the editing room, pooping on everything in terror. <laughs> we decided it wasn't really going to work out. That's amazing. That would have been incredible. Just like to just see like the so, chaos that ensued from the monkeys. Yep. So apparently they did legitimately consider using monkeys with gremlin masks. <laughs> Okay, so over the course of making the movie, they had 100 standard gremlin puppets and 20 mogwais, along with specialist puppets for every occasion. There were a number of gizmo puppets. Some were remote controlled, some were puppeteered. Um, and then they also had these huge gizmo faces that were like three feet wide so that they could do like really detailed um, facial expressions because the smaller ones couldn't do that. Right. Um, at one point, because they knew that Spielberg was going to have to okay the design, the first puppet they made was a Mogwai that was supposed to be Gizmo. And they explicitly colored it to look like Steven Spielberg's dog. Uh, That's Because they were like, Spielberg's going to need to approve this. Let's like butter him up a little bit. Nice. Um, I mean, I think it... We, it da, 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 and, yeah. I was going to say, like, I think it, it, it shouldn't be understated how funny and chaotic the full-blown uh gremlin attack is like it was no, it's incredible it's so good it's so entertaining they do so many good pranks it's looney tune shit yeah yeah it's great like it really is like it's like 15 minutes of the movie probably like from like when there's like a bunch of them and again it's like you, you could go any way like he jumps in this pool and you're like oh like what's gonna happen and like it's truly just like the funniest, most like mean natured stuff. Like they're not like just walking around like stabbing everybody. Like they're just doing a bunch of like great hijinks. It's very funny. It's very I, good. I would stand by this. I think that the puppet work in this movie, both in terms of like the quality of the puppets and the quality of the puppeteering, is on par with Jurassic Park. It, in terms of quality, I it's know not going this, for the same. I know vibe, the obviously. scale and vibe are so different. I can't even like reconcile in my head how to like compare the two. In things. some ways, the scale is more in this movie. They made more puppets for this movie, right? But like they're tiny. Yeah, no, it's 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 weirdly it works okay. strangely well. Can, like for a movie that like yeah, no, you would say could have aged badly. Like it it totally still tracks and makes sense. Like I don't think it looks less advanced now than it did at the time. Like, I think for what it yeah, is... Yeah, no, it looks just as good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they also... Okay, so you mentioned that when the when the Gremlins are all in the movie theater, Zach, or Billy blows up the movie theater. Yeah. Uh, the cinema explosion was real, uh, and it sounded very dangerous. Uh, so here's Zach Galligan describing it. Uh, probably the most nerve-wracking scene to shoot was when the cinema where the Gremlins have been watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs blows up. Safety regulations were more lax on Hollywood sets back then. When we asked the explosive guy how big the explosion would be, he said, well, we've packed it pretty good. I thought, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> In the event, it was deafening, and the heat was so intense, I thought it had cinched my eyebrows. It blew the doors off the theater, as you can see in the film, and it shattered windows on a building at Universal a mile away. Oh, my God. Um, they really did pack it pretty good. Yeah. 
yeah, so there are a bunch of cutscenes in the movie, as I mentioned. There's the one with Mrs. Deagle trying to open a nuclear power plant. That's the biggest one. Most of them are very minor. Some of them are like really minor, like before like there's a scene in the movie like we mentioned that that the the priest is like trying to mail a letter there's a scene that's cut where he talks to billy and he sees billy on the street and he's like oh i have a christmas card for you and he can't find it in his bag and he's like oh i'll just mail it to you later and then later in the movie you see him going to the mailbox and it's like you know what you don't need setup for a guy going to a mailbox right right uh, so there's a lot of little stuff like that Interesting. But then there's also, there is a scene where Judge Reinhold's character, they encounter him and he's like barricaded himself in the safe. So you meet like the, the bank, the head of the bank is dead in the bank. And then they, they find Judge Reinhold's character in the safe. And he's like barricaded himself in. And they like try to help him. And he's like, no, you're not really trying to help me. You just want to get a promotion. <laughs> okay. And then they just abandon him in the bank. Uh, the Santa Claus backstory for Kate's dad was something the studio wanted to remove because it was unclear if it was supposed to be funny or sad. Uh, Dante refused to remove it, arguing that it represented the film as a whole uh, by combining car- horror and comedy. Spielberg apparently didn't like it either, but agreed that it was Joe Dante's choice and defended it. I mean... Which I think is interesting. It, yeah. It's super, uh, it's super bleak. And then... Uh, it's super bleak and it's so funny. Right. You have to have a certain type of sense of humor to, to find it funny. And like, it is very specific. And I guess to his point, it's specific in a way that matches the film. Um, so I, I applaud him for defending his yep. vision, but like that is not a mainstream choice as far as story goes. Yep. So this is my favorite Spielberg story from this. So uh, Warner Brothers still wasn't sure about the film. Dante explained, when the studio saw the picture, they pretty much like it that they thought there were too many gremlins in it. Steven Spielberg replied, shall we cut them out and call it people instead? Which <laughs> <laughs> is such a good line. That's very funny. That's like my it's idea like of uh, alien versus aliens. I'm like, is the first one called a gremlin? And there's just one gremlin. Yeah, but it is It is literally like, uh, it's that story with Spielberg with E.T., or with not with E.T., with Back to the Future, where someone was like, you should call that movie A Spaceman from Pluto and just, like, make it something that the character says all the time. And they were, like, insisting on that Robert Jemeckis or whatever. And Spielberg just wrote him a memo that was like, we all enjoyed your great joke. Like, what a good joke you just made. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And so then the last thing is, in the first half, you asked if Furbies are based on yeah. Mogwai. <laughs> and I looked into this. And the answer is no. Um, but the similarity between them was so striking and everybody noticed it um, that Hasbro and Warner Brothers settled, according to Variety, on a seven-figure sum out of court to address the concern about them looking together. And many fans theorize that it is the reason that Hasbro shortly thereafter made a special limited edition Gizmo Furby that you could buy, Uh, but they only made 250,000 of them, so buying them would be pretty expensive. Right, right. Yeah, I'm sure. That, right, as in that was part of the settlement that they got permission to do that from Warner Brothers. I mean, it is a clear ripoff. Like it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Uh, it looks. It looks very, very similar. The the Furby are a little bit more bird like, but yes, they look very similar, and it's it, it makes sense that they settled. But I think that part of it is like 
they settled and they're like, we'll do a toy together. Right. Like, that'll be part of it. Right, right, right. Uh, um, all right. A really fun so, yeah. movie. I'm really glad we watched it. Like, again, as far as like the kid piece of it goes, I think that's a bit trickier. But like, as far as like the me part of it goes, I think like so many of these movies that we've watched, uh, we had very specific memories of. And then we watched them and we're like, ugh, this is not <laughs> hold up at all. I think this was like the opposite. Like I had vague memories of this and I was like, I have no idea if this is going to be any good. And like, it was, it's like a gem. It's like, it, it's better than I remember yeah. being. I think I obviously like probably am more attuned to it as an adult than I was at whatever age I saw it. Like it's really good. It's really funny. Like, it, I mean, you probably loved it as a kid though. I, I think so, but like I don't, I don't. Maybe I found it like scary and like unsettling, which it is. But like now I'm more equipped to handle that emotionally. But like, but also like I, I just, I think it was a pretty big success box office wise. Right? I, I think we we talked about that. Like it, it did pretty yeah, well. Yeah, it was a huge success. <clears throat> so like I wouldn't yeah. call it like a cult movie, but like it feels now, thirty years later or forty years later. Jeez. Uh, like like a cult movie in that way where it's like oh this is a movie that people really liked back then and like it's still really really good yeah i agree this to me is part of the canon and it the only caveat there is you have to have the right kind of kid yeah in terms of how they watch movies but this is a this is a partial recall approved canon entry daniel just should we have like a canon sound effect can you add a canon sound effect there like uh Part of the cannon. Real. My cannon just sounds like a gravelly laser beam. (laughs) Real Uh, loose cannon. Uh, Yeah. Well, it was great. Thank you for uh, for nominating it. I don't know. It it truly like it feels in a weird way like uh, successful for this podcast in a way that none of the previous ones we've done have been. Yeah, there were other movies where we were like really confident of success, and they were great. Yeah. And there were ones where we were like, oh, this is going to be good. And they're terrible. Yeah. But we haven't had one where we were like, eh, this might not be great. And it was And then great. it turned out to be great. Totally. Yeah. Fun. Uh, cool. So what's next? Your pick. <laughs> yeah, I've thought about this a lot. Um, and what I've settled, and especially after watching this movie, I'm not ready to leave this this like sandbox here. And so I want to do Goonies. Because it is oh. Chris Columbus. It is Steven Spielberg. And it is Corey Feldman. So there is a lot of carry over here. And like it is in that. And Spielberg wrote it. He didn't direct it. Chris, I think Chris Columbus directed Spielberg it. Spielberg wrote Goonies? Yeah. Uh, we'll no. talk about it in the next. That can't we'll, be right. We'll save it for the next. Save it for we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, and so like. But like it feels like magical in that same way. Like I had other ideas of where to go. But like I'm like in this like 80s Spielberg like hot streak of like movies like with younger characters that like open up the world and like i want to stay i remember loving the goonies and also loving the nintendo game around the goonies which is i believe a notoriously terrible video (laughs) game but i barely remember this movie so i'm super excited same uh to talk about it same uh good choice all right okay pew pew